Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley. Hello, and welcome to episode 67 of the Tourpreneur Podcast. On today's show, I get to talk with Mitch Batch, who is the co founder at thetripschool.com. Now, at Arrival Orlando, uh, I was aware of Mitch. I've seen his work online. Didn't know a lot about his company, and I've always been intrigued. Uh, got to have a very quick conversation with him at Arrival Orlando, with him and his business partner, Alan. And I said, look, you guys need to come on the show and share a little bit more about the educational classes and courses you put on for the industry. Um, so I got talking to Mitch, and you know, in these times that we're in, especially if you're listening to this in um, 2020, uh, Mitch didn't want to come on and just, you know, promote his courses. He wanted to come on and, and really share knowledge. He's been guiding tours for the last 18 years, very experienced. And I was very curious, actually, to learn about his courses. So, for instance, Trip School offers what they call immersive tour director and guide training experiences, both online and offline. And I was intrigued by his offline offerings because if you go to their website at thetripschool.com, their training isn't some webinar. They, they do offer online stuff, a la carte, which I love, but they have a whole tour director certification course where they take you out on the road. So Charleston and Savannah, Toronto to Quebec, for foliage in New England. In fact, I joke with Mitch because one of his classes actually goes right by my house. What's cool as well is we talk about tech, but not the usual. It's not booking platforms. It's not OTAs. It's more how you use a tablet. There's one tip that Mitch shares at the end of this, which blew my mind. And... I give him a lot of credit for sharing this because I can see how it would wow guests on a tour. I'm not going to say any more than that, but make sure you listen to the end because I think this is something we can all implement in our tours. And we talk a little bit about Mitch and Alan are from Trip School are running show and tell uh, webinars free right now. So there are a lot of free webinars out there, but you can get a taste of what they're offering. And again, what I like about Trip School, it's not... How do I market my tours? How do I sell my tours? It's how do you be an engaging tour guide? How do you lead tours? It's more the art and craft of leading and building tours. That's what this show is about. So show notes available at tourpreneur.com forward slash 67. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're all staying healthy and enjoy the show. And welcome to Tourpreneur, Mitch Batch of The Trip School. How are you, sir? I am hanging in there. How are you doing, Shane? Uh, yeah, just about hanging in there. 
one of the things that we're doing on the podcast right now, and I know you share this view, is we're, we're trying to be positive. And what I want our listeners to understand is we're not ignoring what's going on in the world right now. We're recording this March 2020. Maybe you might be listening to this in March 2021, and it'll hopefully sound a bit odd. But we are trying to work on things we can do uh, positively. Uh, we're all working from home. We're all self-isolating. You know, we have this time now to uh, all those tasks that we were unable uh, to get to when we're busy leading and uh, directing our tours. And Mitch at Trip School uh, is running some show and tell series, right, for your community. Absolutely. You're spot on with the idea of being positive right now. It's too hard. I can no longer click refresh on the New York Times. It kills me, (laughs) especially living in the dead center of Manhattan right now. It just gets worse and worse. And so my business partner and I just decided to brainstorm ways that we can be a positive force in the tour guide community, the tour operator community, and put something out there that's going to make a difference in people's lives when our lives are on hold. And so, yeah, one of the biggest things we came up with was something called show and tell. We realized because we have a community of our own students around the world, hundreds of them who are just sitting at home right now, dying to share their knowledge, dying to share their passion for all sorts of subjects. And so we put together something called show and tell. Uh, Three times a week, we have a tour guide from Australia or from Canada, from anywhere around the world, share something passionately for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, whether it's an Italian doing Tuscan and wine tasting with us, which we have coming up. Or tonight we have someone who is going to speak on the Brothers Grimm fairy tales. Uh, and Fantastic. it's something that they speak on in their Rhine River cruise tours uh, over in Europe. And so it's uh, tour guides coming together just to listen to each other, to support each other, to continue to practice our craft and learn and grow and improve when things are so difficult. Well, I take my hat off to you and I take my hat off to many others in our space who are experts and they're giving you know free advice consults uh, webinars i was just reading about booking kit they're launching webinars all of this is free and i just can't thank you all enough that you instead of sitting at home and wallowing and saying well you know we're, we're in a really bad state here it's like okay what can we do to keep tourpreneurs motivated inspired and to learn um so i, I really do thank you for this mitch absolutely and thank you for staying on the air because I know it It seems hard sometimes for probably you to be offering all of these discussions about businesses that aren't happening, but we need you more than ever because otherwise it's Netflix and we're, we're just about out of shows. It's funny. I just posted on Facebook this morning. I, I have this uh, and I'm going to write a blog post on it. It might even be out uh, by the time this is aired, but I'm like, okay, last week was kind of like Christmas in the house where... I said to the family, okay, I don't care about my uh, my eating habits, my health. I'm so depressed. Where's the cheese? Where's the red wine? Where's the chocolate? I don't care. And then over the weekend, it was like, okay, you know what? This can't carry on. So I have a plan of, you know, walking eight miles a day and eating better and cooking because otherwise, you know, like you said, I'm going to be sat at home playing Call of Duty all day and not actually doing anything. Um, <laughs> because like you, I want to escape the world, right? It's depressing when you put the television on. Well, it's funny. I mean, we're in, we live in the learning space. Uh, my business is entirely just about education and helping tour businesses and tour guides grow and learn. And essentially, my last week has been shifting everything I spend my time traveling around the world doing and putting it into some sort of world online that we can all continue to access. And 
You're absolutely right. Nobody wants to sell anything right now. We just have compassion for the entire community. And we're just trying to offer all of our little worlds of expertise to a community that's struggling and is going to keep struggling for a while. So tell us a little bit about your background. For those people out there listening who aren't familiar with Mitch Batch and Trip School, share a little bit more about your background with us. Yeah. So uh, I'm from rural, rural Wisconsin. I grew up in a town called Wisconsin Rapids, which uh, is famous for at one point having the world's longest paper mill. And uh, at a certain point after high school, I think I just snapped. I lived in a I guess a world of like wonderful parents, but it wasn't an environment that really spoke to me. And so um, after after high school, there was just a moment inside of me that said, I need to go see the world. I need to go become myself. I didn't feel myself yet. And so I, I really did snap. I uh, told my parents I need to go somewhere. And I told them I'm moving to New Zealand, uh, which I did. Wow. I, I dyed my hair blonde. I changed <laughs> I changed my name to Elliot and I started a completely new life down there New Zealand I was there for a year I was in Australia I was in Japan I was uh all across the world I'd been to over 60 countries just in a just in a few years for me it was it just, travel just became a drug and I think it was because I hadn't had it for so long you know in Wisconsin travel usually means going to your ice fishing cabin 15 miles <laughs> away and so just seeing kind of the wonder of the world uh, became my drug, and at a certain point, my parents said, "You need to get a uh, um, you need to get a job or an education." And so I, I ended up in France. I ended up in Paris, and uh, I applied to university there, and I became a student, and I uh, studied in France for the next five years, and um, I ended up uh, doing graduate degrees in philosophy. And my biggest goal in life was to become a philosophy professor. And wow, the minute I started doing that, I realized I hate it. And it was always that sort of travel itch because during the summers I had started working as a tour director or as a tour guide. Mm. So I guided people around Paris, but then I took people on multi-day trips all around the world and all around Europe, especially. And uh, I just realized that that was where my heart was. And I picked up my bags after about six years in Paris and um, quit teaching, quit uh, doing everything there, quit a relationship, and I moved to New York City. And uh, from there, I've just always been in the travel world. I've been a tour director, taking people on multi-day trips all around the world. I've been a local New York City uh, licensed tour guide. I have uh, run my own local tour business. I've been a multi-day tour operator. And I started to speak at companies on just training topics, mainly on Things like storytelling and just engaging your customers, your clients. I was always deep into tour technology, the ways it can enhance the sort of tour experience on the road. And those sort of topics kind of took off as a career for me. And for many years, I did private trainings for companies. And just a few years ago now, we're still a young, we're still a young budding school, but a business partner, Alan and I, who was a dear, dear friend of mine for over 15 years, we started something called Trip School, which is essentially just a cute little logo on the things we've always done and sort of putting it out into the public as classes, workshops, online workshops, books, basically publishing materials to help tour directors, tour guides, tour operators uh, be better at what they do. And now it's uh, it's <laughs> taken off. I haven't slept for years. My hair has turned gray and I love every minute of it. Fantastic. I love your story. I'm always, uh, I always smile when I see you cropping my feed because 
I remember having a conversation, uh, well, we first met at Arrival Orlando last year, but you know, I often say on the show, one of the reasons I created Tourpreneur is because if you want to you know, run a hotel, you can go to hospitality school, you can go to Cornell, for instance, or the International Hotel School in The Hague in the Netherlands, but there's nothing out there for tour operators, and very often we learn as we go along, and I remember you correcting me, rightly so, and saying, no, but there's trip school. And I was like, yeah, there is, you know? And what I like about, uh, and again, this isn't a sales pitch or anything. We're just chatting. I'm really intrigued by your business. When I, when I looked at your website, I was like, wow, you know, this isn't some online 10 part webinar. You, you take people out, right? You come to Vermont and places and, and take your students out on the road. We should have stopped by your house. <laughs> you did. Remember you brought the mailbox over. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. You're not recording this, are you? <laughs> Sorry. They don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's tuned out. Um, I mean, listen. I understand the power of online, especially more than ever right now. However, for me, the learning happens out in the world. I mean, we are people who live out in the world with customers and guests who are out in the world experiencing this stuff. And for me, the best way to learn how to be an interesting tour guide is to be out there delivering it with a close-knit group of people who are uh, there to encourage you, there to critique you, but there to make you better in all sorts of different ways. But also um, learning your tour business is I believe you should be growing your tour business by being out there, by observing people, by interacting with people. You can sit there in the corner of your apartment till the cows come home, massaging your SEO, looking at the perfect OTA, getting all of your metrics and all of your KPI dashboard and everything just perfect. But really, if if there's a big distance between that and what you know about what your guides are doing and also just what the world is doing, what customers want uh, from an actual experience, then then there's something missing. And so we do in-person group workshops and we do them all around the world. We were in London and Paris last year. It was a wonderful time. And for us, that's where so much happens. And then We continue that community online with our webinars or with whatever we do online just to support each other and maintain that sense of community when we scatter to the wind. So as part of that, you also have to a director certification, correct? Yeah. So I don't know if your audience is totally familiar with a tour director because it's even a weirder job than a tour guide or a tour operator. But a tour director is somebody that usually lives, they can live anywhere, but they're usually hired by a large company that puts together packaged multi-day tours, um, usually involving a motor coach or sometimes involving a cruise, although probably not for a while. And you, uh, you visit several cities. So when I was up by your house, We were actually training tour directors for fall foliage tours, which are five to 14 day tours where you know this, you suddenly have this uh, conga line of people who are looking at the beauty of Vermont, the splendor of your barns and the deliciousness of your cheese. But a tour director's job is to be that entertainer in chief, the head logistician, uh, the best friend of everybody on the bus. It's a complex job, but it's incredibly rewarding because when I work as a local tour guide, I've got three hours to wow them. Uh, When you're a tour director, you've got sometimes two weeks with the same group of clients. And so we do a very rigorous program of training people on all the different aspects of tour directing. And honestly, we have a lot of, since we have our tentacles in both sides of the industry, We have a lot of people that do both because believe me, there are times after four months on the road that you just want to wake up, give a three hour tour of Chattanooga and go home and water your, (laughs) water your garden for the rest of the day. And so it, it works well because there's definitely moments where I 
am ready to leave New York and I love going over to Paris for seven days with a group and uh, just exiting that mindset because it, it reminds you of what travel is, which is transformational, changing your mind, changing your brain state as you enter this totally new context. I feel it when I go to Vermont. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. So l- let me ask you a little bit about the tour director thing. Let's see if I can understand this. So is it mainly aimed at multi-day tours or so let me give you a scenario, for instance. So one of my ideas, I was planning and researching it last year. And obviously with the crisis we're in right now, I've obviously shelved this. But so Vermont is very famous for its IPA and its breweries. And there's a great tour in the city of Burlington itself. But I live about 40 miles away from Burlington. And there are some fantastic breweries outside of the city. And there's no tours One of my business ideas, and I was doing due diligence on this, was, oh, I'd love to put a tour together that, okay, you get people who come in and do the Burlington tour, but they want to go out and explore the rest of of their brew. Because apparently Vermont has, you know, per capita or something, more breweries than any any other state. You got to do something up there. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, my background is in sales, in marketing, you know, some of the tech aspect of it, uh, people and culture, because I've led you know, sales teams, OTAs and all of that. But in terms of actually putting a tour together, I've never had to do it. So for instance, let's say I'm like, yeah, I want to go ahead with this kind of tour. Would, would your tour director certification be the right course for me? Or is it designed mainly for multi-days? No. So it's designed basically to start to think about ex- uh, a tour experience on a larger level or a longer level. You know, there's the two-hour food tour, but then there is a complex day's journey that might involve contracting a motor coach, might involve working with suppliers like like your breweries. And um, it, it increases in complexity. And obviously the natural progression is towards just more and more days of more and more complex movements like hotel bookings or even booking flights or offering flight bookings. And all of these different components can start to feed in. But the tour director starts to take on a logistical role that is almost like a small business owner, but of their tour, you know? And so for someone like you wanting to do that, it's a great course. I mean, and again, I'm I'm not pitching the course. I'm just saying it's yeah. great because half of what we need to do is learn how to be engaging and competent individuals on a guiding level. We need to be good at interacting with people and wowing them and telling great stories and engaging incredibly. But in that Maslow's hierarchy, you've got to have that base of that co- that operational competence, that logistical competence, and knowing how to keep a tour on schedule, knowing how to make those contractual bookings in a way that's friendly to you and also to the vendor. You know, everybody that comes into this industry brings who they are. And so for some people, they're fantastic at that marketing side and that sales side and putting that stuff together. But they've they've got to take that leap into that customer facing moment of you've got to wow them. It doesn't matter how well the tour is put together. While you're proud of that, all they see is what they're feeling. You know, (laughs) nobody thinks this is such a logistically perfect tour. They might think that, but that doesn't get them to the point of saying, wow, what an incredible IPA tour that Shane put together. And we preach this all the time from wow moments. And whether you've got a, whether you've got a two hour tour or you've got a 12 day tour, you've got to create these little crescendos, these little moments of peak intensity and experience and excitement about something that, you know, when that tour finishes, they're going to remember that. I'm intrigued because I can say that the operational side, logistical side, I have no clue. And that was actually when I was looking at this last year, 
that was what was holding me back. I thought, yeah, I can do the marketing, I can build a website, booking platform, all of that, but I don't know how to deal with buses and drivers and should I you know, buy my own bus? Should I lease? Should I rent? All those questions that many entrepreneurs have. And I think this is often what holds us back is that we know how to do, like, you know, I'm maybe an expert on IPA, but I don't know everything else that goes with it. So I'm very intrigued. And I'll say this much, this industry and I mean the specifically multi-day or more complex tours industry for a long, long, long time has been ruled by large companies, large tour operators, because they're the ones that became expert at doing that, negotiating phenomenal rates for various components. And so the industry has always wanted people kind of just to funnel into working for those companies. But I, I, have, I have very good relationships with all of those companies, but I... I want to encourage people like you to create this sort of grassroots movement of understanding that you can do this. And that's kind of what we do is we just lay it out. Uh, We had somebody in our class in San Diego. She runs a wonderful tour business in California. She's got a great car. She does driving tours. She took our course, but after she's been doing this for years and at the end of the course, she said, I wish I had taken this three years ago because it's just hearing from somebody who can just lay out a plan for you so that we're not just beguiled by the steps ahead. And it's just always so easy to say, forget it. You know, this is too hard. Yeah. And I know, you know, some people starting out have got zero dollars to start with and they have to start small. But for those of us who do have a reserve, I'm always about how do you flatten that learning curve? What course can you do before you jump in? So I'm very intrigued when we get out of this crisis, you know, of digging in a little deeper with you about these courses and you know how people can flatten that learning curve. And by that, I would love to invite you on with a couple of graduates because I'm a big fan of finding out someone who's been on the course and then they can talk and say, yeah, you know, I work for this tour and, you know, this is what I learned um, with Alan and Mitch and, and their guys. And I think that's, that's where, you know, it's, it's very inspiring to hear that. Um, you, you also, so you have the tour director certification and then do you have tour guide training or are they one and the same? They're different. And there's a lot of overlap. Obviously, you're dealing with you're dealing with people no matter what, and you're delivering stories, you're delivering exceptional experiences, yada yada yada. But we really, when we get into the tour guiding program, it's a shorter course. It doesn't have our online course component, which is just two weeks of just going through a lot of that information that you just need spelled out for you to understand that side of the industry because it does get very complex very quickly. But our tour guiding course, we do it here in New York City. And really it's, again, just five days of half of it is those guiding skills. But then the other half of it is that entrepreneurship related to what it means for you to be running your own local business in a local market. uh, And then starting to deal with some of those complexities that you spend so much of your time thinking about and educating people on the OTAs and the relationship between kind of these this giant online online world of selling and what you are as a small business owner delivering your small experiences. And so there's a shift in focus, but there's there's so much overlap to kind of what the two jobs are and the two feed into each other, I think, very well, both in terms of like how you portion your time throughout the year and also your brain just starts going in all sorts of directions. And I don't see why we're not offering multi-day tours where I have to say the profit margin is a lot larger. There's a way in which you start packaging these tours together that people say, yeah, I'll pay for that because I want that. I want that. I want that done for me. Definitely. And that customer still exists despite 
this giant movement towards people going on a kayak and booking their flights and people going on to Expedia and booking their experience, you know. And so I think there's a real, when we snap out of this, a real reason for a lot of your audience to be looking at uh, creating their own multi-day tours or slightly more complex tours with a customer that appreciates not only that complexity being taken care of, but also the experience of being with someone for a longer amount of time. I can't stress enough how good that feels, both on your side as a guide or as an operator to forge deeper relationships with these people. I mean, I I send out a little newsletter to people who've just been on my tours, not my school or not anything else, but just people who have traveled with me and we stay in touch. Like I have about I have about 8,000 grandpas and grandmas now in my life. They, they just want to hear what you're doing and where you're going. And those types of relationships are something really, really special. And there's also, a, there's also a business motive because it's a loyal customer. And boy, do they, they – I have customers who just say, where are you going this year? I'll go. Are you creating a cruise to Croatia? Then I'll go. I want to continue to feed off of what you're doing. And that's a really special way to run a business because it doesn't feel like a business. So let me ask you, this is probably one of the toughest questions you're going to get, I imagine. Tell me about the best ever, apart from yourself, right? The best ever tour guide you've experienced on a tour. Yeah, I have to say he is also one of my dear, dear friends. He's somebody that I met about four years ago. And I'll say his name. His name is Robert. He's a New York City tour guide, but I don't think I've ever seen a guide more in my life able to comprehensively and encyclopedically, if that's a word, understand a city, but then distill it into a way of experiencing it that feels 100% customized to his audience. I mean, I'm, I've been at the cocktail bars where he's talked after his tour about kind of even just going through what he did. And then also the next morning thinking about uh, his next tour and not in terms of, I don't know, pumping himself up or getting himself excited, but understanding his client on such a granular level that every experience he gives is tailored to them. And it, it comes from just this depth and passion that he has for the city. But I believe me, I've met so many guides who know way too much for their own good. Yeah, because I you, you just drone out and it can't be about knowledge at a certain point. It has to be about relationship and emotion and connection. And I've never met somebody in my life better at making an emotional connection and really making an impact on on customers lives uh, in a way that is tailored to each person because of what he knows. How does he do that? How does he find out what his customers want? Well, so, I mean, he does largely private tours. And so he does have a body of knowledge or of understanding of his customers. But for an example, he does Metropolitan Museum of Art tours. And he'll simply understand if he has two clients from the Netherlands plus two clients from France. And if he doesn't even know anything more than that, he makes sure that what he's doing at the Met is beginning where they are, which is their understanding of their own countries and building a dialogue around art that might end up, of course, at the American wing. He doesn't just sit there and look at Dutch art, but he might begin there. He might begin at the Grand Gallery and start by saying, listen, this is the context of who you are, of your patrimony. And New York City as a city 
received that and we tried to imitate you for a long time until we uh, grew courageous and started to grow our own art and our own architects and uh, took that inspiration and transformed it in a distinctly American way. And he might make that conversation about who those customers are and begin where they are and lead them somewhere. And I, I spend so much of my training life trying to get guides, I guess, to really take seriously who somebody is at the beginning. Figure out the types of questions you can ask that gives you that information to build a bridge from their knowledge to where you want to lead them. And it's different for every group. Whether you have 30 people and you know their nationalities or whether you have a little pre-tour briefing or whether you have the ability to ask a question beforehand, that for me is what this job is about, which is changing lives through creating connections and relationships rather than just infotainment. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's interesting that the last tour I went on was uh, uh, London Rock Tours, obviously in London. It was a rock and roll tour of London. And this guy was great because, I mean, he was an encyclopedia. I mean, this guy's knowledge of music and bands in London was incredible. But what I liked when it was a couple of things, because you know, you're always observing, right? We're never off the, off the clock, are we? It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's our curse. We can never just enjoy a tour again. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And he, you know, I met him at the meeting point and, you know, first question is, oh, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from Wales, but I live in the U.S. And he was like, Wales? He said, oh, let, he said, let's have a think. What rock stars, what bands come out of Wales? And immediately, you know, he's building this connection, which I thought was good. And then we get on the bus and he welcomed everybody and went through the house rules and everything else. But then he said, okay, uh, you know, what bands are you interested in learning about today? Because, you know, London is full of music history. And everyone kind of shouted out a band. And then he really tailored what he was giving on the tour. He was really talking about the, specifically the bands that people had mentioned. And I thought that was very clever. Absolutely. And that's relationship building. I mean, more than simply delivering a more personalized tour, that's creating a feeling inside of that customer that says, oh, I'm being taken care of. And yeah. I feel like anytime your product becomes about that relationship, you, you can get away with a lot more than if you're just delivering a product. Um, I mean, yeah. I talk all the time about not meeting expectations, but exceeding expectations. And that's what that is. It's hard for a customer to arrive on a tour and say, okay, I'm expecting that they're going to make a very uh, pointed or concerted effort to point this rock and roll experience to the band that I knew or loved when I was growing up. It's, mm. That's not a standard customer expectation, which means the minute you do that, they're going, wow, they care about me. Yes. And that is such a different feeling of an engagement with a client than I've done my cemetery tour of the Garden District of Savannah perfectly. You know, well, when I speak at companies about storytelling or when we teach storytelling in our class, like the story isn't exactly the thing. Your content isn't exactly the thing. There's something that is sort of underneath that. It's almost like an iceberg where most of it is underground. And that kind of thematic emotional content is really what is doing the heavy lifting as you talk. And so I go on a lot of graveyard tours or I'll be there as a critic or, you know, as a constructive educator, but I'll watch and I'll see that they're just diving in to talking about graves, but there's such a human sense of what life is about and what death is about. The, the practice of burial sort of means something incredibly ritualistic and deeply emotional that connects with one of our deepest kind of urges as human beings, which is to not die. And so there are thematic ways in which your storytelling can be something that is actually about all of us praising life. So rather than just this 
fantastic story about a murderer or about a loved couple or whatever, figure out kind of that deeper undergirding thematic content that can kind of drive your whole tour experience together. And it doesn't have to be so bombastic as death. It could be just about the excitement for rock and roll, you know, is about ambition and it's about sex and it's about, uh, it's about uh, arrogance. It's about all of these themes that we as human beings want to hear about. I mean, our brains are programmed to care about humans in a different way. And so tours can be about that. And and arrive at something that almost feels like church at the end of your tour. Like we've just been through something together and we've learned something about the world together. That, that to me is all travel is about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I strongly feel it's about being made an insider because when I came home, I sent pictures of Abbey Road. And I think most people, you know, they go to Abbey Road, they walk on the zebra crossing and oh, you were, but you know, this guy gave us inside stories that, yeah, you can probably find online, but I'm, I'm not a Beatles fanatic, right? I like the music, but I'm not reading books on them, but getting those stories that I wasn't aware of or being shown Jimmy Page's house and then the, the tour guide saying, well, actually next door, Robbie Williams, the singer lives, most Americans won't know who he is, but Europeans will. You know, he lives there and they're having a legal battle right now because he wants to build this swimming pool. And Jimmy Page, you know, the old rocker from Led Zeppelin is worried about the noise and <laughs> cool stories, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when we're training guides to even create their content or tour operators to start to piece together kind of the content of their tours, <laughs> one of the things we say is don't begin by just Googling and looking at the, yeah. the, the first page of results of 15 fun facts, because even if they're they're interesting. That's the first thing your your guest sees when they Google your topic. And we live in such information overload. We live in such an intense, in a world of such intense amounts of knowledge being thrown at us all the time uh, that your guests have access to that as well. So what can you give them that goes beyond that standard body of yeah. knowledge of this was built in this year, this is what this is now, and you already know this. And so like, we, we tell people, start with Google News. Start by searching for your topic in Google News and see a collation of all of the interesting things that are actually happening to a place. And and that's when you learn about weird property property disputes, you know, about this house. And And sure, you might begin the journey of your story by talking about the year it was built and the architecture or whatever, but then go somewhere interesting. And I mean, that's what you remember from that tour. That's, that, yeah. that's what you remember. I do. Also, there was fun little things like, I mean, I'm talking a lot about this particular talk <laughs> the last one I did, but, you know, and then he was, you know, he showed us Eric Clapton's London house and he said, you know, if you see a Range Rover here with this registration on, then, uh, you know, Eric's at home. <laughs> it's almost stalkerish, but it's kind of funny, you know, uh, on the tour. But the one, you talk about a wow moment, right? I mean, this, this is very hard to replicate, but everybody literally went, wow, is he showed his hands and he told the story about when he was involved in music. Uh, he knew the band Queen very well. And long story short, he was one of the people who was in the studio that was leading the clapping to We Will Rock You. Oh my gosh. So he said, look at these hands. You hear these on the recording. And it's like, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, listen, there are certain wow moments where they just happen. You know, I, I yeah. live in Greenwich Village and uh, the most annoyingly, the most popular site in the entire village is the Sex in the City house where 
where the right. exterior was filmed for Carrie's apartment. Um, and I had a group and I, I, I honestly don't even really show it because I just find there's so much in the village that's so interesting. And it shows yeah. up on Google Maps as like the one thing of interest in the neighborhood. And so, uh, but if somebody asks about it, I, I, I say, yeah, it's over here. So I took the group over there and they looked up and uh, saw it and they're all excited. And I said, yeah, you know, can't you imagine Sarah Jessica Parker just walking down the street, going into her apartment? And they said, yeah. And then we all turned to start walking and there was Sarah Jessica Parker walking down the street. <laughs> wow. And everybody just jaw dropped. And yeah, I mean, that's great. That's great when that happens. That's not something you're going to put into your tours, but there's definitely ways of scripting or choreographing your tour to create these little reveals that mean so much to us, that create such an emotional impact on us. And I watch sometimes as guides throw away their money shot. You know, when you're at the Dakota building in New York City, you can't begin that story by saying, this is where John Lennon was assassinated. Uh, don't give away the meat. You don't eat a burger by just yeah. diving into the meat first and then listening to a bunch of lettuce and cheese afterwards. Like, save that for a moment and step back and build your story or build your experience from somewhere else. I mean, that's where Rosemary's Baby was filmed. And so you might start with Mia Farrow. You might start with just the drama of a building there with nothing around. And then piece together by these little cues of your storytelling. You know, I, I might begin by talking about the Singer Sewing Machine Factory or uh, something seemingly unrelated. And I say, but all of that's interesting, but that's actually not what I want to tell you about, about this building. I want to talk about a frigid day in December and a man from Hawaii. And already at that moment, your interest starts to get peaked in a totally different way. And you arrive at the dramatic assassination of John Lennon. You don't begin there. You don't begin your story of the Titanic by talking about how it sank and how awful it was. Um, these emotional creations of a sense of anticipation, dramatic arc, kind of composing your journey over time. For me, that that is the most important element of a, of a tour experience. And I see a lot of sort of monotone tours where this is where we've stopped. I deliver my engaging commentary. And then this is where we stop. We deliver my commentary here and continue on and continue on and continue on. And by the end of the tour, you liked it. And you're kind of exhausted, but it's almost hard sometimes to even remember what happened. And it comes a little bit, my background is also in music composition. I also studied music uh, as a composer in, in France. And so I think kind of just musically about a tour, about moments of silence, moments of reprieve from the big bombastic, you know, element. And then just having a little breather in your in the middle of your tour and noticing kind of on a almost musical score where your crescendos are and what that structure looks like over time. I think that's so important. Love that. Absolutely love that because it's something I've never really thought about as much as I analyze tour guides when I'm out, I've not really thought about the composition of it because usually I'm just blown away by the story they've just told. I'm not unpacking it and going, Oh, that was clever. They told the story that way. I'm just like, Oh wow. John Lennon was murdered here. Right. Or that was the wall where the Ramones took their famous picture for their album. Like, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> well, and you know what? Like, I guess in a tour like that where so much is unknown and so much is by default interesting, then 
the choreography almost doesn't need to play such an essential part because every moment is like, oh, that happened there because you had no idea that happened there. But there are so many highlights tours or the Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island or a tour of Times Square of Midtown Manhattan where all of these bread and butter tours that so many of us have to create in order to sort of survive and hit that kind of middle ground target of a customer that, you know, does want to see these these highlights. How do you choreograph a tour like that so that it doesn't feel like we're just going from site to site and telling stories that I either know or don't know, but finding those moments of reveal that you do know is going to be the thing they remember uh, at the end of that tour. There's a real art to it, isn't it? It is. It is. But it's it's also a craft, you know? It's it's not something you just hope happens. It can be structured. It can be composed. Um, you know, it's funny. I was in Washington, D.C. Uh, a month ago, and I had to get some money out. I mean, in New York City, I live in Manhattan. Every other building is a Chase Bank. Uh, but I went down there and they just started adding Chase Banks down there. And uh, <laughs> I walked in and there was no teller booth. There was nothing but just kind of chairs everywhere and just some people smiling when I entered. And I walked in and they uh, immediately greeted me. They asked me what my name was and uh, they said, what can we help you with today? And then they walked <laughs> me over to a chair like I was about to have coffee with this person, which I did because they offered me coffee. And nice. then they took away my uh, they took away my debit card and came back with my cash. And I mean, listen, wow. there's a lot of people thinking about choreographing that customer experience. Uh, but so should we in our world. That's that's a yeah. choreography that at every moment made me feel like a human being, made me feel welcomed. And also it was a journey. I was led on a little journey. And that's that's kind of the thinking on a macro level that unfortunately some of us have a lot of time to think about right now, you know? Yeah, yeah. What do you see, because you obviously you assess a lot of tour guides. What do you see as the most common mistake that tour guides make? I think probably I would say the curse of too much knowledge, uh, an expert bias, where sometimes they know so much that they feel as if they're not doing a good job if they're not sharing that. And on the flip side, I see a lot of guides who, I mean, I, I live in New York, not that I only do this in New York, I do it all around the world, but I see a lot of guides who sort of learn a script and deliver it beautifully, very engagingly make us laugh at the right moments, but it feels very scripted. And I don't know about you, but I, I always feel most interested in another person when I feel like it's that person and not kind of a perfectly delivered script. And so on one hand, I, I, I see two big issues, which is the person that knows too much and also the person that delivers something too perfectly. I think in the middle, and that's why I mentioned my friend Robert, he knows too much, but he also knows how to perform it in a way that feels like this is a human being who sees me as a human being and is delivering something real. And I think there's such a thirst in the industry for that uh, right now. Did you know every weekday Shane curates the most interesting news articles in tours and activities and sends them out in a snappy daily digest? Grab your copy of the Tourpreneur Daily Briefing at www.tourpreneur.com. And for people who can't, or they, they have families and they can't travel and they can't have that away from home, you also offer some online curriculum, don't you? Yeah. I mean, listen, we've always been deeply committed to what happens when you're in a room of people and human beings are interacting with other human beings. But we're, um, yeah, we're going to be launching a storytelling course that allows a lot of these principles to just sort of be thought about and put into action in your own way. So it's funny, I, I spoke at um, 
Disney a month ago and uh, they love cute words or acronyms or things. And uh, I had always talked about tour choreography and somebody there said, You're, it's tourography and you clearly <laughs> love it as well, your tourpreneurship. Um, yes. But uh, tourography is kind of where it ends up being. It's thinking holistically about all of these different elements. And while the practice of that is something really important to happen in person, I do think that an online course can sort of begin to spell out these themes, storytelling principles, creating wow moments, identifying your wow moments, and like learning how to build up to it. That is everything that I'm doing right now. Basically, all of our courses that were in person beforehand are being transformed into what we hope is going to be kind of an engaging online experience. We already have a fundamentals of tour directing course out there, but um, for us, we're looking at growing that online resource to become something that supplements what we'll be back in life doing as human beings again. But most importantly right now, all we're trying to do is grow our show and tell series because I am so blown away. We just had an Australian submit something about China, about touring in China. Uh, We um, have so many baking demonstrations of local foods uh, from around the world, but also people who are going to give us a tour of Florence. Uh, We're going to be able to travel from our armchairs, from expert local guides, but also allow us to learn from other guides. I love hearing your stories of the tours that you go on because you go on tours all the time everywhere. And I love what it means when I watch somebody else in in doing their craft at an excellent level because I learned so much. And um, hopefully our show and tells, which are just totally free, are a way that people can submit submit topics or just chime in and join in and feel like they're being connected to this world that um that that we that we all live in yeah and if you go to tourpreneur.com forward slash show and tell i will add a link that will send you directly to the show and tell pages so if you're out walking the dog or in the laundry that's when i listen to a lot of podcasts (laughs) i'm doing the laundry Um, absolutely i mean yeah for me it's dog walking and then i come home but i've made a new rule i'm not listening to them at home anymore i'm only reading books because uh, i I, I, I'm a victim of this. We're all small business owners and we all live frenetic lives of to-do lists that are 8,000 topics long. And um, yeah. and living by that to-do list, what I've learned just in the last couple of weeks of being home for the longest I've been home in a long time is uh, it, 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 it closes our brain to some of our biggest thoughts that we can have about our businesses and about the future. I uh, just finished reading a book uh, by Jenny O'Dell called How to Do Nothing. And it's not about doing nothing at all. It's about being completely aware and mindful of the way in which being cemented in a place and allowing our attention to be wider than it's ever been and less distracted than it's ever been opens up our brains and opens up our, our lives to surprising thoughts and surprising paths forward, creative paths, creative paths forward. I love logging onto LinkedIn every day and seeing incredible minds coming up with new solutions and new ideas about this business that aren't just that same old rotation of things we should be thinking about. And I think for me, those surprises that, that even come up on there or in my own brain or for anybody are absolutely incredible. Um, um, So Jenny O'Dell calls it placefulness, which I love. It's the power of just being stuck in a place, 
turning off those distractions and letting your brain open up in a surprising way. And um, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's something that at least in some basic way we can understand is a positive from this difficult period. And I need, I need to spend most of my life thinking about those positives rather than clicking refresh on the New yeah. York Times. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually in the middle of building the, an online, the Tourpreneurs, I, I was going to call it the Tourpreneurs bookshelf, but I think I have to call it bookcase because I'm getting so many great recommendations from guests. Uh, and I, I'm a complete bookworm. I love reading books. So I, I love sharing books that we as tourpreneurs are reading and, and applying, you know, the practical stuff to, to our businesses and to our life. So I will definitely add that one. So as I say, I will link to the show and tell, which is completely free. And I urge all of our listeners to sign up and submit something. I'd love yeah. to hear. I mean, listen, it doesn't need to be an Italian wine tasting. I would love for it to be sort of an extension of what you do, which is just people with a little expertise in Facebook ads or whatever they might have. Like that's all interesting yeah. to people. But I like that so far, turns out a lot of people are interested more in talking about wine than talking about their businesses. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's also what I've admired from afar with Trip School. And I hope I've got this right is many of us talk about technology. And by that, we mean OTAs, booking platforms, WordPress, etc., plugins. And, you know, I was looking at your webinars, uh, your paid webinars, and there were a few on there that even I was like, oh, I, I should buy one of these. I love the fact they're a la carte, by the way, you can just pick what applies to you. So when you talk of technology, there was one here, which was called Technology, Note Organization and Destination Research. And it was a webinar focusing on tools like Evernote, Google Docs, OneNote to organize research that, that you lead. And I'm like, wow, I kind of need that because I'm learning Evernote as I go along. And in fact, when you and I finish our conversation here, I need to jump on Evernote and kind of write up the important things we've talked about because otherwise, you know, when I edit this in a week's time, I forget, you know, so, Absolutely. but I'm not great at Evernote. I'm just like, like most technology, I learn it as I use it. And I'm sure there's quicker ways of doing things and more effective ways of doing things so that there is that side of technology. I know you also talk about tablets and tablet usage on, on a tour and, and best practices there. And you even have a webinar, which is uh, taxes for tour directors, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm <laughs> blown away at the financial illiteracy of people in this job because partially that's not who we are. You know, that's not who I am. That's usually if you're an engaging performer or storyteller, uh, you're Thoughts usually don't go to also, should I be a LLC taxed as a S-Core or should I be a C-Core? Nobody thinks about that stuff. Um, and yeah. so, again, we're not, I mean, we're not perfect. We're just a community of people that are trying to give helpful seminars, information workshops to help this community grow and um, continue to professionalize. It's, it's a recent industry in the shape that it is now. And so there's learning to be had by everybody. But for us, yeah, technology is not, OTAs. That is not where you should, I am not where you should come or ask any questions about with hmm. that only because there are people that spend their lives thinking about that. And um, there's a yeah. lot out online. And part of it though, is still trial and error. For us, technology is even knowing some phenomenal photography apps on your phone that can create an incredible a photographic moment on a tour for your guests to have afterwards. So, I mean, there's 
powerful, powerful phone apps like Touch Retouch that allow you with one swipe to remove annoying objects from a group photo or Snapseed with their HDR scape function that allows a normal photo to suddenly transform into the most vivid travel moment you've ever lived. And there's things like Photo Circle that allow you to create an ad hoc little group of photos shared from a day's tour that are immediately accessible to everyone, whether you have an Android or an iPhone. Um, you know, you talked about the the note taking. Well, that's that is for me the way I organize my life. And if you've got all of this content, you're only as good as how you can access it. And um, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised at the amount of Word docs and scrolling that people do when you have these apps that tap, 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 and you're right there to what you know. But also, I mean, Google My Maps is one of the most powerful things I've ever seen in my life. The ability to create these incredible customized maps that I share with my guests. I'll share them with my guests after a Greenwich Village tour so they remember where we were with just a couple of fun facts about each place so that I didn't just deliver a product that resulted in one feeling, but continues as a relationship of knowledge afterwards so that they can go back and share that with their with their family and their friends. And uh, Google, I mean, just the bouquet of Google Forms and Google My Maps and some of these less obvious uh, Google Drive um, capabilities allows for a customer relationship that can live beyond in a very easy way without buying into these large, expensive marketing platforms and all of that stuff. This this stuff is free. Everything I named is totally free. And uh, I talked earlier about meeting expectations and exceeding them. One of the little things that I do at the end of every one of my tours is at some point, if I might have a small group, I might line up each little couple. If I have a larger group, I might make a little group photo. But I travel wherever I go with a little HP Sprocket, which is a little Bluetooth uh, pr- wireless printer that connects up with your phone. And wow, really? Yeah, it's um and. You can buy these little packets of photographs, which are stickers. For uh, They're two by three inches. Um, and a packet yields uh, 10 photos that cost about 30 cents, 30 cents a piece. So the cost for your customers, 30 cents for that photo. And what I do is I also buy magnets from Amazon, two by three magnets. You can get a hundred of them for $10, which means it's 10 cents a magnet. So for 40 cents, what I do when I give them a moment a little structured moment of free time on the tour. So like at Washington Square Park, for example, I make this part of the tour. Not every stop is like just me talking, me talking, me talking. I say one of the one of those beautiful things about New York City is just the musicality of a space, the way horns and people and trombones and people swearing kind of create a little symphony. And I, t- I, I have them sit down for a moment and I, Tell them to just close their eyes and just take in the sounds of New York City. I don't say the smells because there are a lot of dogs around there, but just have them just be aware in a really quiet way. And while they're doing that, I just go behind them. I quickly print out a little photograph of each of the little couples or each of the little guests that I took earlier in the tour. And I stick them onto the magnets. And then when I'm thanking them at the end of the tour, you know, 45 minutes later, I say, 
this has been just a real honor to just to get to have this conversation with you all. And I don't want this to end here. And I say, I want to give you a little gift and it's watermarked with my little website name or with my little, my little company name, which you can just store in the software, which means it prints out in just a little discrete corner of that magnet. And I say, I want you to remember your time here. Uh, and I give them each individually a little thank you magnet that they can go back and hang on the refrigerator. And let me tell you, they think it's magic because it is like, when did you have the time to produce it? How did you do that? And I say, listen, just, let's just call it magic, you know? And then I walk away and I leave them with that, that last little moment. So for me, that's, that's that choreography. It's just that little wow moment, exceeding expectations that creates a customer feeling at the end that goes, that was something special that we just went through. Brilliant. Wow. Wow, what a tip. I've, I've never experienced that on a tour, and I would be blown away as well. Well, get ready. <laughs> it's probably, <laughs> it's going to be a thousand tours now without there. But, uh, but I yeah. mean, it's, it's, you know what? And if that becomes the new normal, then you think of something else to do. Something uh, else. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, that's something, so we do these technology workshops in person because some people just need to be locked in a room and told to learn it because otherwise yeah. you... I'm guilty of this. I've bought so many online courses and like I've taken 30% of them actually, you know? So sometimes it's just nice to be locked in a room with other real people and trying to figure out this stuff together. So it's, it's cool. What was that called? HB Sprocket. Did you say? It's called the Sprocket. Yeah. 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 And now there's a Sprocket plus and now there's a version that has a camera built in. There's, you know, you know, it's a, it's a world that has developed in the last few years, but I bought one just because it seemed cool a few years ago because yeah. I'll, I'll buy it and I'll experiment with it. And believe me, I've got a shelf of rejects that yeah. I've never used once on my tours. But when it works, I, I, I'm i happy to share it because I've been in this industry for, God, 18 years now. And at this point, you know, you, you get to a point where it's it's easier to let go than to hold on. And so I'm yeah. more than happy to answer emails, to respond to people's questions, to just try and be a positive presence as we all kind of use this time both for creativity and for reassessing what we do on on, on our tours. Definitely. Where do you stand, before we wrap up, where do you stand on gimbals? Because they confuse the heck out of me. <laughs> I'll say this much. And again, mainly my... Uh, my hall of rejects are giant stabilizer things, especially yeah. ones that hook into my iPhone that spend 39 you know, minutes trying to pair and trying to get up and run. Yeah. No, believe me, the end result looks great, but I'm never there and ready to get it done. I will say this, the, uh, the DJI Osmo Pocket, um, I do like because it's instant on. It is a gimbal. It fits in your pocket, which means I'm more apt to actually take it with me. And uh, it approximates, obviously, not as well as the other gimbals, but still gives you a good, a good approximation. But let me tell you what I do. And again, I almost never use that. <laughs> uh, what I do usually is when I'm taking videos, I'm doing it with my iPhone because I've got it there. It takes incredible 4K video. But one thing I do is I shoot in 4K because that means that when I'm creating a 19, 1920 by 1080 video, I have crop room. And then I also shoot a little bit wider than I normally would. And then if you even just use iMovie, I mean, I use Premiere Pro, but dear Lord, if I mean, you've, I guess you've got a month, learn it. But 
Even yeah. in iMovie, I'm a Mac guy, they have a they have a stabilizer function right there where you can click on the clip, it stabilizes the clip, and suddenly you've got gimbal-esque stable video that approximates what you never actually do when you uh, don't take out your gimbal. So for me, honestly, most of the time, I just end up stabilizing my video afterwards and it does the job, so... Fantastic. That's a great tip. It's something that I've been struggling with. And I know I get a lot of questions from tourpreneurs who are trying to create their own videos of saying, oh, I've got this gimbal. I've just spent an hour trying to balance the thing. And yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I, and I bought one and I was like, because I looked at the, the Osmo pocket and I, I liked the look of it, but I ended up going for something else. And yeah, it's just so much aggravation. I just rather hold the phone out and do it. But, exactly. Uh, yeah, like you say, we have we have time to learn it right now. <laughs> well, well, Mitch, uh, you know, thanks a million for coming on the show, and you know, you, you, you're sharing a lot of wisdom with us here from your 18 years of experience. Like, I love that magic moment uh, tip. I love the fact you've taught through the art and craft of of leading a tour, uh, and I would love to invite you back on once we're through this mess. Maybe we'll get you on with a couple of graduates, and we'll dig a little deeper into some of your courses because I know many of our listeners will be intrigued to learn more because. Once we get out of this, we're all going to be working to be better tour guides, better tour directors, build a better product for our customers. And uh, I, would, I would love to host that conversation with you. I mean, that'd be great because, I mean, again, what you do, what organizations like Arrival, what everybody is doing all of a sudden in this industry is creating these communities of sharing struggles and sharing wisdom as we all learn. What I love hearing from my students is where they're at on their path. Because everybody's at a yeah. different place and it helps alleviate that sort of mountaintop syndrome where you just keep listening to these Moseses that have figured everything out or speak with this mountain of experience and you feel like, how am I ever going to get there? And having a community like what you've done with your Facebook group and what these other organizations have done. And, you know, we have a Facebook forum for trip school. What we do is just support and share. And it just makes it feel like this journey is by, is being done by real people all around the world. And that, that collective wisdom and that collective struggle creates a real sense of togetherness and also of opportunity for growing and for continuing to learn. I love people who don't have it all figured out because I don't, I don't either. Absolutely. And and where I give you credit, because I get approached by a lot of people offering courses or what I'm seeing right now is a lot of people coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, I'm, I'm a, an entrepreneurial coach. I'm yeah. a this coach. I want to help tour operators out. And what I'm, what I'm saying in our community is be very careful, ask for references, ask to speak to graduates or people who've you know gone through that course. Because if that person or that company is of good standing, they will say, oh yeah, you know, you can speak to Jane Smith and so-and-so tours, you know, she came in with us or she, she sat my course or I've consulted with this person. Just, just make sure to do the due diligence. And I love on your page, you have a praise page and, you know, people can see how authentic you are because, you know, you've got their real names, you've got you know, the posts they've yeah, made on Facebook. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You're not hiding no. anything here. It's not John C. from uh, Wisconsin said. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I love um, that. But I mean, also, we've, we've always made such a big point to grow our business organically through in-person experiences that we have a lot of photography that isn't stock photography of 18 people high-fiving each other in a business room. You know, that doesn't mean anything to me, but I want even the photography on our website to just radiate the love that we have for our students and that they have for each other in the community. But you're right. I mean, for me, that's what proof is. But more importantly, 
the reason we don't make a lot of big claims about what you're going to do or earn or whatever is, I mean, I, I studied philosophy in Paris. I came from the least capitalistic entrepreneurial kind of mindset that I could think right. of. Like I spent a good five years literally drinking 10 espressos a day and two bottles of red wine a day, just talking to other people who largely have, you know, also pretty good lives uh, about things that aren't that practical. And so for me, I do like that, I guess I am not um, so obsessed with profit margins and profitability and try to do that. And of course we're a business, but it's just also not what I want out of life, you know? I mean... Yeah, you also live in one of the most expensive cities in the yeah. world. So, like, you know, you, you've got to be able to pay your rent and put food on the table, Absolutely. right? That's what I have a, a rich husband for. <laughs> just kidding. He's a he's a book editor. He's a book editor. Oh, dear. We we, we both yeah. say that in our next in our next marriage, we're going to marry rich. Definitely. Well, Mitch, thanks a bunch for coming on today. You've shared so much wisdom with us. I know our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of this. And, uh, you know, we wish you all the best with your business because it's a tricky time for you as well. No one's buying courses right now. Uh, you know, certainly your in-person courses. So, you know, I, I hope that uh, everything's all right for you guys and we'll see you on the other side of this. Yeah, we're going to survive. But I really, my heart goes out to the whole guiding community over there because I already have friends who have lost their businesses or have hibernated them. And um, my heart goes out to the entire community right now. But more importantly, please do feel free to reach out to me. Um, it's just Mitch at thetripschool.com or info at thetripschool.com. Uh, but just shoot me an email with any questions or concerns or ideas, um, especially if you want to participate in our show and tells or anything that I can do, because suddenly I've got all the time in the world. Yep. And I will add all those links to, uh, to our show notes. You can find at tourpreneur.com. Um, thanks very much, Mitch. All the best to you, sir. Keep fighting the good fight, Shane. Appreciate everything you do. Thanks for listening to the Torpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Torpreneur.